Hello and welcome to Art Talks. My name's Dee Danjal and episode two continues to explore Beyond the Screen, an immersive exhibition in conjunction with creation held at Hoffa's Mayfair Gallery in the heart of central London, featuring nine boundary-pushing works by renowned and emerging AI and digital artists. Beyond the Screen explores the exciting possibilities that emerge at the intersection of art and technology and is co-curated by crypto artist OSF, who became the highest selling lot at a recent Sotheby's auction. And in this episode, we'll be talking to another key artist whose works is featured as part of Beyond the Screen. Orkan, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Doing very well. Good stuff. Yeah, it was great to have you on. So look, the first question we always love to start off with is... Can you tell us about a life-changing moment that you've experienced while working in the NFT space? Yeah, definitely. It was actually uh, the beginning of my career and when I joined uh, this ecosystem. So uh, my traditional background is I'm product and graphic designer. And uh, my biggest clients are the banks and the financial institutions. Like I'm designing the mobile applications, creating uh, products for the finance, uh, the insurance. And before the joining, like one week before the selling the first artwork, I got invited to the International Bank of Azerbaijan as a, a head of product design of the bank. And it was like a, my dream job, like it's an amazing bank, so they're supported by the government, all possibilities, like you have full access to test and create whatever idea you have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also I minted, I was planning to mint one artwork. So I minted one artwork and I put the price 10 Ethereum. And after 24 hours, I got a bid and I called the HR and I said, sorry, I'm, I choose art, not bank. Oh, really? Uh, it wow. was my life so changing. you took the leap of faith. Exactly. And you went for it. Exactly. After one month, I moved to New York and later Miami and uh, start to kind of more wow. produce and create artwork there. That's the one thing I find so fascinating about this space. It's moving so fast. I mean, how do you deal with the speed of change and, and, and movement? In this industry, it's insane. Like literally, I was also talking with my other colleagues and artists that it's impossible to follow uh, the how many projects are going, what to follow. Because if you're in the space, you're not just creating art; you're involved with. Uh, you buy some tokens, you buy some coins, yeah. you invest some other projects, you buy some artwork from other artists, and it's it's growing so fast. And uh, the other, the new artwork, new projects, more interesting than previous one. And you got inspired from other the creators, what they are doing, how they're building the ecosystem. And uh, I just decided to really not push myself that I'm, I have to spend all my 24 hours to keeping up with this thing. So for the reason, like I follow the Ragridia or the Rect or some other communities that they are collecting all this data, what's happening in the market and kind of squeezing in a digestible information and giving a report of every, every morning. Wow. So this helps me a lot not to spend a lot of time in Reddit, in Discord or in, in Twitter to keep up like what's happening. What's a new cool thing? Uh, the same thing like a few days ago, in 27th of April, I got a the coin called uh, Pepe. It's one of the biggest internet meme. And uh, I just invested like one each, approximately two thousand mm-hmm. dollar, and it I made that money almost two hundred each uh, in just a matter of like a, two weeks, three weeks. It's very amazing that if you know right people, who's always spending more time and have more knowledge more than you, and you just follow them, and if you believe their choices, you are also like taking them the place or you're finding your own uh, the way how to generate income. Oh, fantastic. I believe the term is bootstrapped. I think it's such a, an embryonic 
stage that the whole industry is at, everyone's doing everything, right? Kind of in order to lay the foundations of what's going to become a very commercial space. It's inevitable that it's going to go in that direction, right? But anyway, let's move on to the main event, right? So your work that's being featured here at the Hoffa Gallery as part of the Beyond the Screen exhibition here in Mayfair, Central London. Tell us a bit about your uh, featured works. So... The, my discipline is I'm taking on topic in a cultural heritage and I'm analyzing it, finding, researching and uh, collecting the data through the government organizations or any number of the organizations. My goal is kind of try to preserve the, the cultural heritage that is disappearing from the current life. And uh, my main research is the carpets and traditional Azerbaijani, Persian and the, and the Middle Eastern carpets. So in 2019, I got a offer from Azerbaijan government to participate in Venice Biennale. And in that time, they opened me whole, the government archive of the Azerbaijani patterns and the patronology. This information is not is in the internet, it's just in the books that are uh, made by generations. And through that timeline, I collected almost 150,000 carpets. And also I'm trained as a computer scientist. I developed with my team together the machine learning algorithms and LLMs that more focused on the patterns and then finding the similarities between all, all data sets, like about local correlations. And we extract the main features based on these data sets, like what's the main, main colors that you use, most shapes, the symbols, the, which combination of the symbols in carpets. And based on the similarities, I created a three different uh, video artwork that's an infinite moving of the carpets that look like morphing to each other. And also I'm presenting today the biggest artwork, the immersive piece that called Relic, the preservation. It's the main data visualization of the research and the study that also the, the process of creating the artworks that I'm presenting today. That sounds spectacular. That really, really does. I mean, like, you know, I know Elio, one of the co-founders there, is very particular about, you know, which artists he works with. So the fact that, you know, you've been chosen as a part of the nine boundary defining pushing artists who are part of the exhibition says a lot, you know. One thing we would like to ask um, artists like yourself, i.e. digital and AI generated, uh, you know, artists is how do you approach incorporating your personal style and creative vision into your work? So as I mentioned before, the, my goal to create my artworks is to preserve the cultural heritage. So uh, the culture, the traditional art or the Middle Eastern art in my country is uh, only made by like elder generations. And uh, there's not left many people who is creating a new pattern or so new designs for the carpets. Mm. So the, my goal is kind of uh, understanding the culture and the creating kind of source for future generations that they can use it to produce the new carpets, for example, or produce a new artwork. So kind of a collective mindset of the culture heritage. And I grew up in a city called the Ganja in Azerbaijan. It's a... The Ganja. Yes, it's a super cultural rich city and um, there's a lot of philosophers born there, like a Nizami Ganjavi. They has like a uh, Seven Beauties poem maybe you heard about. So by the growing in, in a city, like uh, all our cities are covered by miniature paintings or the, um, the patterns of the uh, Middle Eastern patterns. So I was so into them since childhood, it's so like, close to me. But when I studied to computer science, I found out all these shapes, everything is based on the just pure mathematics and the geometry. And then I realized that actually there's no one actually using the technology and the AI and the generative art and the math and geometry 
to kind of create new this digital artworks. Mm-hmm. Everyone is trying to to represent your heritage, basically. Exactly, exactly. Even the Azerbaijani artists, I see that they're trying to be more modernized and European styles to go super like contemporary art. It's okay, it's amazing, but I kind of found it's an urge for me inside that I cannot stop myself to doing from that. So it's kind of comes from my old childhood. Maybe a lot of traumas from the family because when I was a kid, there was a I had the one memory. So uh, we just recently moved to a new flat and we didn't have any furniture and we just only had the carpet. And I didn't also have any toys set to play. And my mom was like a housewife. And I was like playing with the carpet, you know, there's a the patterns. I was following this all like illustration, etc. And this is, was one of the first kind of visual element that I interacted in my life uh, as a kid. And it kind of stuck maybe in somewhere that this is something that I have to be connected. So it sounds like an inner calling. Exactly. That's been just trying to break free ever since you were a child. And exactly. And it's basically culminated now, right? Would you say there are many people now doing what you do in terms of digital art representing, you know, your particular culture and heritage? I don't know personally. There's a lot of like artists who does the carpet, but I don't know anyone who uses the computer science to create... Synergizing with technology, not exactly. yet. Exactly, I don't so know. You are me. the first. You are the pioneer. That's fantastic. So could you define to me, in your opinion, what makes a great piece of digital artwork? What does it have to have? What, what does that magic look like to you? The story. The story and the person, like what I understand uh, the work in the field as an artist, as a collector, creator, uh, you just need to have a, have a super distinct story that really, when I look at your artwork uh, and then I read your description, it has to be like a trick these emotions in my mind that I have to understand why did you create this artwork. Mm-hmm. If I don't understand why you did this, I cannot connect with that. So for me, there's like a trick question always I'm asking why I am doing this, what I am doing, and uh, for who I am doing this. So always uh, each type of artwork is has its own customer segment, own type of collector. And I think this only thing is a story, really. And now a quick word from our sponsor. The Hoffa Gallery specializes in contemporary art by established and emerging international artists. Hoffer is determined to feature a multitude of artistic disciplines with an intent focus on exceptional talent, diversity, innovation and cultural relevance. Dedicated to supporting rare talent and making their work globally accessible, Hoffer works closely with all of its artists to ensure the highest level of excellence and integrity across its locations in London, LA and Mykonos. For more information, head over to thehouseoffineart.com. So you've been working in this space for how long now? Uh, since 2012. 2012. Digital wow, so that's a fair few years. And you've seen, you know, many trends kind of, I suppose, come and go maybe. Yeah, you know, Some stick around, some influence others. What's the most exciting trend or innovation that you are seeing happening, you know, in the world of digital art at the moment? For example, there's a one medium called the genital art. It's a, you write a piece of code and uh, this autonomous system creates the new iteration. Mm-hmm. So you create a small software in a web and then you each time press a create new, it creates a new pattern or new design or new artwork. Oh wow. This is now one of the most trending since the beginning of the NFT is the most trending the medium. So before it wasn't kind of possible before the innovation of the blockchain. So now each time 
how is the, the uh, user flow of the purchase in this generative art, you connect your wallet to the website and you press a mint and your artwork is being created the while is minting. So no one knows how the artwork will look like, even the creator. He just created that this autonomous system that have unlimited possibilities of the output. Oh, that's fascinating. And, and he's like limiting the supply. For example, 1,000, 100, 10,000, depends on the artist, the community and the network. Mm. For me, this is the most fascinating. And also, the, in a blockchain, you are not uploading the image file. You are uploading the piece of code. And when you each time open the browser, it generates the real time for you. So it's for me the most fascinating uh, technology that's used in uh, digital art. It creates unlimited possibilities you just have. Fantastic. So based on that understanding and that realization, it's an industry that, like all industries, are going to have their strengths and their limitations as well, right? What do you see being the strengths and limitations of AI-generated art? Uh, in AI-generated art, the biggest the issue that I see... so. The mo language model that you are using and the data set that it trained. Could you just explain those terms? Uh, so there's a tools available for everyone. And this, for example, me, I'm writing my own code and with my team together, we build our own machine learning models. And there's also the applications in the website, like a mid-journey or DALI. You just go to this website and you type some words and explaining your idea and it creates the artwork designed for you. Uh, but there's a, one the issue that is a copyright issue in which data set that the language model are trained. And uh, if it's created, trained on my artwork, then it's like a kind of replicates or the kind of takes some small uh, instance from there. Mm. So there's a big, big copyright issues now that no one knows that in which websites or, or the, which data set it trained. Mm. I use my own data set that I create and collect by the research institutions, like uh, the foundations or the Ministry of Cultures. Uh, so I don't have this issue of the copyright infringement. But the biggest issue now I see, a lot of people are using this uh, website and for me it's it looks good, but I cannot consider this should be the final artwork. It should be the good mood board for the artist, mm. more good inspiration that he can take uh, inspiration and make their own. Um, could you tell us what kind of data and general algorithms you know you use to generate these images or any other form of digital art that you might make? Yeah, the, my data set is the images. Uh, it, they are the Islamic patterns or Middle Eastern patterns. They are carpets or they're Orientalism paintings that uh, made in the representing the Middle East. Mm -hmm. So uh, now the currently kind of my research study is about this Middle Eastern culture and developing and preserving it using AI. This is the part of the data set that like input and the processes I use um, several algorithms called the StyleGAN, Stable Diffusion, also the ChatGPT to create a more uh, the structures and the different uh, ways of the user. I use, for example, object recognition system to analyze the symbols. Like it depends on the what I want to do. For example, I had a one exhibition in, in Art Dubai uh, this year that uh, the immersive one Ovi purchased. And in this, in that exhibition, I collected almost eight thousand Orientalism paintings. And uh, Orientalism, yes, paintings. It's, it's a movement that uh, it was 17th, 19th century. Mm. The European artists uh, painted East without visiting the East. So from their own imagination, from their um, the ideas, uh, fantasies, let's say. 
And I use the mostly object recognition system to understand what's the context of the images and what's inside these images, like how many times the woman used, how many times the red color used. So kind of understanding general style and idea of the Orientalism paintings. And based on this collected data, I created the new paintings. That sounds um, fascinating and incredibly complicated. <laughs> so I can see how it's, uh, it, it's quite a speciality, it's quite a niche, you know. One question that I'm sure has been, you know, on the tips of everyone's tongue is the whole concept of how the human can or does collaborate with AI, you know, in the or during the creative process. How does that happen? I.e., what role does a human play in terms of, you know, being able to input their part of the creative process? How does it actually work? I could give this analogy of composer and the conductor that yeah, are orchestrating okay. yeah, the, yeah. the symphony. So as a... That's a great one. So you are the composer. Exactly. I am writing the notes, uh, like the code, and I was like, this has to be the tone. Okay. And I'm calling the AI. Okay, guys, come here now. Yeah. So you will do this one. You will do this one. You will analyze the pictures. You will extract me the colors. You will like create me the look like a patterns. And let's work all together. So kind of orchestrating all this uh, workflow of the pipeline. All right, okay. I love that. And, I love that. And I, I got asked a lot of questions that how AI will replace us. Mm -hmm. Like, a, how can AI replace me if I am not telling the AI what to do? Like, I am the person who is writing the, the code and creating the model. I am the person giving the task. And if I will not tell AI that create me the painting of, let's say, the, the carpet or create the painting of the desert, let's say, mm -hmm. He will not like decide by himself to do anything. It has to be some human input. That brings us neatly on to the final question, which is around the topic of the socio-ethical issues or you know, points of discussion that are very poignant amongst people right now in terms of the implications of AI within society and the effect it's going to have. So, you know, what do you think are the most important ethical and philosophical questions and topics of debate that people might be having now around the use of AI in art? I would like to not answer this question, but I would like to answer another answer to you. So, for example, not in artwork, but in real life, there's a ChatGPT, for example, the natural language model mm -hmm. that you ask and it creates the, in text or in information. And the AI cannot create um, facts. He can only reference the facts. You provide the facts, right? And he can only and it references what you. Yeah, there was a one one uh, one issue, like one uh, story happened like a few days ago when I was writing the description of the, my artwork using ChatGPT, mm. and I give him the inputs that what about my exhibition? This is the the information about the Azerbaijan carpet. This is about the AI, mm. and it created me the one description, like a one kind of abstract. And when I read it, I saw there's a fake information inside. So it created by from himself, itself, that as the flower motif, it's called the gul, is the one of the most important motifs in Azerbaijani carpet patternery. Mm. But there is not this kind of information. I know precisely I researched it later as well that maybe I missed it. Mm. And there was not this kind of information. So if I wouldn't be known this information is a fake or false, I would print this information on a, on a catalog. You are a visitor here. You take this catalog, you read it, and you get a fake information, fake news, mm. and you spread the fake news. So it's so 
big that's just freaking out that how our society will adopt that and how it will affect our daily lives and then the communication is just information distribution now we have to learn much more things to be uh, competitive with AI now so many questions yes so many points of discussion as well and I think I have faith that we'll sort it out Um, I have faith that we'll find a middle ground as long as don't teach them too much don't teach them too much don't teach them more than us (laughs) All right. Make sure they know who's daddy. Um, <laughs> final question, just to sign off uh, what has been a fantastic chat. Um, what advice do you have for aspiring digital artists? In other words, you know, what are the most important skills and attributes that you think are necessary to succeed you know, in the world of digital art? The most majority of artists, they don't see themselves as entrepreneur. They think they are just the creators. So, But if you see the business model of the world-known artists Andrew Warhol, Damien Hirst, like, uh, Jeff Koons, all these guys are businessmen. All these guys has a business uh, model that mm. they are building their brand. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. I just advised each artist to understand what's your value proposition mm-hmm. and understand the, this three question that why you do create art and what you create and how do you create if you can understand this three question and create your own value proposition mm. to understand what you are doing, then it will give you a lot of push because you will know what's your uh, target audience, which kind of fairs and museums is suitable mm. for you, which one of the galleries. So having a story and a value proposition is the two biggest things everyone has to have in their skill sets, like a beginning in the beginning. Beautiful. Orkan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being on what has been episode number one of the Hoffa podcast. Thank you. Wow, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.